Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Our scripture reads as follows. You therefore, excuse me one second, I forgot I wear glasses now, so let me get that together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, last year I didn't wear glasses, but amen. This year I wear glasses, Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say. And may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that, Jesus, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I do all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Amen. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and hearing of his holy word. Pray with me and for me this morning as I speak to you from this subject. Instructions in the faith. Instructions in the faith. Let us pray. Our God and Father, Lord, we bless you, we praise you, we magnify your holy name. God, there's no one like you. We thank you, O God, for allowing us to be graced with your presence today. God, bless our time together. Open our hearts and our minds, God, that we may receive all that you have for us today. Hide me behind the cross. Move me out of the way, O God, and have your way in this place. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I have about seven points this morning, and then I'm going to get out of your way. Seven brief points this morning. Number one, be strong in grace. Number two, commit these to faithful men. Number three, persevere as a soldier. Number four, persevere as an athlete. Number five, persevere as a farmer. And number six, consider what I say. And lastly, number seven, remember Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul is fully aware that his death is soon coming and that Timothy might not reach him in time for a final visit. Paul's main concern was for the welfare of the church and the defense of the gospel. So in this letter, he injects sobering words of admonition words of counsel and words of caution. Paul expressed his concern to Timothy so that after his death, 
his young protege, would continue to transmit the gospel. This is Paul's preoccupation, the gospel. This is the thing that distracted Paul. All of us have something that distracts, distracts us. For Paul, it was the gospel. I think I shared with you some time ago, I was reading uh, George Washington Carver, who was a scientist and inventor, and, and he uh, had strides in the area of the peanut. Uh, he had uh, over 300 inventions uh, with the peanut and over 100 inventions with the sweet potato, and he made significant scientific strides with the soybean, and he was always busy in the lab. In fact, he slept at the university he worked at, and they asked him, they said, um, uh, Mr. Carver, do you think you would ever get married? His reply was, uh, no, I don't think I'll ever get married. If I did, I would neglect my wife because I'm distracted by my work. The Apostle Paul was also distracted by his work. All of his time and all of his energy went into the gospel. Paul didn't care about a whole lot else, but he did care about the gospel. He cared about the church, and he urges Timothy to be faithful in the face of hardships. Be faithful in the, in the face of desertion and doctrinal error. Timothy being a young minister, Paul knew that, that he could easily be discouraged, that he need not have unrealistic expectations. These words we find in our lesson today are not just for ministers, but also for those who are determined to guard the gospel as a sacred deposit committed to them. Amen. That's us this morning. Amen. And Paul told Timothy in the previous chapter, in verses 13 and 14, he said, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. And that's our charge this morning, that we would guard the deposit. You don't have to be a missionary out on the, on the battlefield in a foreign country to guard the deposit that God has given us. You see, Paul viewed the word of God as an inestimable treasure. It was too great to calculate. And Paul knew that, that God's word was living and powerful. And it was the only thing that could affect the rescue of the human soul. That's why he was so, so fervent about the word of God. Because he knew that the word of God was alive. So my first point this morning is, be strong in grace. So the first word he, he, he uses in verse 1, as he addresses Timothy, he says, you, emphatically. Paul is making a direct appeal to Timothy. In other words, Paul is placing personal responsibility on the shoulders of Timothy, his son in the ministry. But Paul doesn't stop there with you. He writes, therefore, and therefore not only connects what was written in the previous chapter or in the previous book, but it has its roots in eternity past. In other words, Timothy, 
since you have been given the gift of God, even before you were born, Timothy, God had his mind on you. Oh, like Jeremiah, Jeremiah, be, be, before you were conceived, I knew you. That's hard to wrap your mind around. That when I, before I even existed, before bone and flesh was together, God had us on his mind. And he had already ordained us. He had already given us gifts and skills of which to operate in the earth. So Paul says to Timothy, since you have been, been given the gift of God, qualifying you for the work of ministry, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy, since you had a Christian family who communicated their faith to you, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy, since the glorious gospel has been committed to your trust. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy, Paul wouldn't allow Timothy to be weak. God had chosen him before the foundation of the world. His family had, had communicated the gospel to him. It's a blessing. It is a blessing to grow up in the church. Hallelujah. I know everybody didn't grow up in the church. But Timothy had the gospel communicated to him by his family. He had the gospel committed to his trust. He wasn't going to allow him to be, to be weak in grace. But look at those two dynamics, strong in grace. I, 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 how can you be strong in grace? Grace, God's unmerited gift of help, undeserved favor, unmerited favor. It, it sounds like an oxymoron. Oxymoron is a figure of speech that combines contradictory terms like bittersweet, living dead. The, the two don't go together. So how can you be strong in grace? After all, God has given us his grace because we're weak. But, but notice that Paul does not tell Timothy to be strong in knowledge. He does not tell Timothy to sharpen his combat skills. Because being strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus means to draw deeply on God's enabling power to accomplish his purpose in you. Rely on Christ. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care what they say about you. Rely on Christ. Because what God requires, he supplies by his spirit. Amen? God says, we supply the weakness and I will supply the strength. And there is nothing that can make us as strong as saying, Father, I am your child. I'm yours. If you don't do it, it will not get done. I'm weak. But with you, Lord, I can make it. The horse is prepared for the battle, but the victory is given by God. 
I don't care how successful you are, how successful they say you are, or what the bank account says, or what they say you can do, if God is not behind you, it won't work. A humble admission of weakness. A two-year-old is weak. In God's eyes, we are less than a two-year-old. Don't know where you're going. You're not as strong as you think you are. I love what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9 and 10. He says, he, uh, uh, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my affirm infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If anybody could encourage Timothy, was the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul was speaking from experience. We will never know God's strength until we know our own weakness. Point two this morning. The Apostle Paul says to Timothy, the things which you have heard from me among many witnesses in verse 2. Timothy heard many messages, Bible messages from Paul, and he shared a whole lot of one-on-one -on -one time with Paul. And so the things that Paul is referring to uh, is the gospel. They go by different names. In chapter 1, there, it's, it's the testimony of the Lord, the pattern of sound words, and that good thing. Chapter 2, it's the rules, the word of faith, the Holy Scriptures. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others. God entrusted the ministry to Timothy not to hide it, but to share it with others. And I believe that that's what God has called us to do, to share this word. When we entrust our lives to God, then God entrusts his word to us. And Timothy was not to teach others his own beliefs or his own ideals or how he felt, but the doctrine, the things that he heard from Paul. I remember years ago in Sunday school, we had a, a, a packed Sunday school full of brothers years ago, and one of the brothers uh, stood up and said that God didn't know everything. He said, God knows most things, but he didn't know everything. And the more all the brothers tried to convince him, the more of a hole he dug himself in. Before we knew it, he was 100 feet underground and he still was telling us that God didn't know everything. You find all kind of people in church. Everybody got their own opinion. But the word of God is our standard, amen? Everybody feel a different way. We have small water cooler conversations. Democratic, Republic, Republican. We have our own conversation. We have our own beliefs about certain things. But when it comes to the faith, stick to the word of God. 
It's very important, and in doing so, you establish a pattern of preservation and spiritual reproduction of the gospel to the next generation. Amen. That's how we receive the gospel. Amen. For myself, it was the late uh, Reverend Dr. Joseph Coates. Before this building was here, we had an old, old, it was an old building, a little small building with a whole bunch of pine trees all around. Uh, there were so many people out here. We had church, church on school buses. We had church in tents. whole bunch of mosquitoes, man, but we were 10 years old. We, we were just glad to be here. It started with him for me, and then it moved on uh, uh, to Reverend Armstrong for many of you and, and whoever your reverend was, and now it's Pastor Jones who's heralding and teaching and preaching the gospel in our ears. You know what they were doing? They were passing the baton, teaching this, giving this to faithful men. And many of you, do, many of you seen the event track and field, perhaps you ran track and field, and uh, you know that if you're, if, you're, if you're in a relay race, if you're in a relay race, it's very important to get the baton exchange right. You can be in first place, but if you, if you uh, mince on that bat baton exchange, you can go from first place to no place. The USA Olympic men's 4 by 100 meter relay team was disqualified in 2016 because they dropped the baton. The baton exchange is very important, especially when it comes to getting the gospel right. Folk have their own beliefs about how to do church, but we thank God for Pastor Jones, and I think he helped us, and he tweaked our understanding when we thought we knew some stuff. Then we had a brother that came from the West Coast. Y'all thought Snoop Dogg was cool, uh, Dr. Dre and NWA, but they weren't cooler than Pastor Jones. Amen. That's what I noticed about Glendale is that God has allowed Glendale to make the correct baton exchanges. I didn't say they were smooth. We live in a fallen world. They weren't always smooth, but God has wrapped his arms around Glendale and made sure over the years that we got the gospel right. He always moved us up, amen? He always moved us up. He didn't have nobody. He didn't have no $500 line, $1,000 line. Nobody sprinkling oil on nobody. He always helped us to get the gospel right. Amen. Point three, persevere as a soldier. We endured hardships. Paul had many prison experiences and he had uh, opportunities to watch Roman soldiers and, and to meditate on the parallels between being a soldier and being a Christian. He told Timothy, you got to endure hardships. In other words, suffer evil, evil of affliction against this world system, against the sinful nature, against Satan. Paul is speaking of persecution of every kind. He had firsthand experience. There were beatings and imprisonments, the loss of a good name, the loss of life, all for the cause of Christ. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
Now, Jesus died on the cross. So, so uh, uh, he's not, he's not uh, talking about your own personal cross. But he's saying, put to death self-centered ambitions. And put the interests of the kingdom first and foremost. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Timothy uh, had to have the attitude of a soldier who willingly separates himself from the things of civilian life. A soldier had to give up anything that gets in the way of being a soldier. Matter of fact, the, the word soldier is a metaphor for Christians. There was wholehearted de dedication. Uh, uh, the warfare of the kingdom demands our full attention. In fact, Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, put on the whole armor of God to stand against the wiles of the devil, the schemes of the devil. When someone enlists in the military, they're no longer a civilian. You're a soldier. A soldier is completely severed from civilian affairs. There's, there's no more normal life, normal business, no more personal pursuits. You're in the army now. And Paul also mentioned in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, he said, This is all a part of fighting the good fight, contending for the faith. That we may please him who enlisted us as a soldier. Point four, persevere as an athlete. Paul often used athletics for illustrating the Christian life. And he mentions track and field in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. A few verses later, he mentions boxing. And then in Ephesians chapter 6, he mentions wrestling. And this is a snapshot of spiritual effort and the relentless pursuit of victory. The athlete is not crowned unless they compete according to the rules. I think the point is clear that we must all play by the rules. We can't expect a special exemption status that allows us to disobey God's word and then claim grace. Play by the rules. Point five this morning, persevere as a farmer. The hardworking farmer, uh, Paul says, in calling Timothy to have an attitude of a farmer, Paul was emphasizing the fact that farmers are hardworking. Unlike the soldier and the athlete, there's nothing glamorous about being a farmer. I know we got some country boys in here and country girls and y'all have worked on a farm. It ain't a glamorous job working on a farm. The farmer worked long hours in all kinds of conditions, uh, and there was no immediate return. There was drought, there was pest, but you keep planting. There's a season for sowing and a season for reaping, and Paul knew the value of hard work. First Corinthians chapter 15, he said, I labored more abundantly than you all. As believers, we work hard in our service for God. Whether it's in these walls or outside of these walls, with our skills, our gifts, our talents, we should serve God diligently with all of our hearts. Be first to partake of the crops, he says. When Timothy had spiritual food to give to the church, he, he had to eat it first. 
If he wasn't being fed with the word, then he couldn't feed others. Like a good farmer, only uh, uh, like a good farmer, any minister or saint will work hard and patiently await the harvest which comes, not right now, but at the end of the age. Some folk are looking for numbers right now so they can brag to their preacher friends. But the real harvest comes in glory. Point number six. Paul says to Timothy, after he gives the metaphors, the examples of ministry and the cost, he says in verse seven, he says, consider what I say. The soldier who stops fighting before the battle will never see victory. The athlete who stops running before the race is over will never win the race. The farmer who stops working before the harvest is complete will never see the fruit. And all three of these illustrations have a need of great perseverance. And everything Paul said, Timothy was to take under consideration to give deep thought because he would need this in ministry. They were matters of importance to him. They would assist him as he faced many trials. But it is God who gives understanding in spiritual things. It's very important for him to know. Point number seven this morning, he says, remember Christ. Paul tells Timothy to remember Jesus Christ because he needed to keep the Savior in the forefront of his message. And because Jesus Christ is the absolute best example of a faithful teacher, a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. When Paul mentioned the seed of David, he focuses on Jesus' humanity. In his humanity, he suffered the shame and death of the cross, and God highly exalted him. The resurrection of Jesus is at the core of Paul's theology. If we suffer and die for the cause of the gospel, our risen Savior promises to raise us from the dead. Amen. We will be with Christ in glory. And Paul said, this is according to my gospel. The gospel that saved him, the gospel that he preached, which is really, according to Romans chapter 1 and 1, God's gospel. Paul said, I suffer, but the word of God is not chained in verse 9. Even though Paul is in prison, he wants Timothy to know that God's word is not chained. Paul was willing to be shackled and stoned and beaten and shipwrecked and even more, all for the sake of the elect. That they may obtain salvation and eternal glory. It's not just that they were saved from hell, but that we have the promise of eternal glory. And as I prepare to take my seat this morning, Verses 11 through 13 will take us out this morning. It is our closing. Paul adds these few words, and some think that it is a part of a hymn, but they are significant words. He says, this is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. 
If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you this morning for what our eyes have seen.